At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Solo this week on today's show, I will be discussing the last two Kazuna Road shows, listener questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. We have features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. So, yes, as you heard in the intro, I am here solo this week. A young boy had to take care of some stuff. Don't worry, he is all right. It is not hurricane-related uh, even though Hurricane Elsa is, uh, you know, it's closing in here in Florida. As you guys know, we are here in Tampa. Uh, as I record right now, um, I have no bad weather in my area of town. It's kind of the calm before the storm right now. It's uh, pretty quiet outside. Uh, the skies are kind of gray, uh, but so far, no crazy weather yet. Uh, looks like the crazy weather will be coming in uh, later this evening, uh, maybe sometime in the, in the middle of the morning. But, uh, you know, been living here in Florida uh, pretty much my whole life. And so I'm used to the hurricane weather and getting prepared and all that stuff. So 
Uh, we're all set and uh, ready to go here. Uh, so hopefully young boy will be back next week. Um, and, and you know, I, I could have, you know, called in for some help this week. I could have reached out to one of our normal reoccurring guests, somebody else here on the network, but you know that there's been a lot of uh, solo shows in the history of the network. Even this past week, we had uh, James Boyd. He did a solo show for One Nation Radio this week. Uh, in the past, Rich has had to go solo. Uh, we've had a, a solo All Things Elite uh, with Floyd. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we have here on the network. I feel like there's a couple of the shows. Uh, Ricky and Clive, we've had we've had solo. Clive's done a couple of solo shows before. Ricky might have done a solo show by himself before us once, but uh, yeah. So you know, all the hosts here on the network, they, they've all you know done their solo shows before, and I have not done a, a solo episode of Keeping It Strong Style before. So here we go. I figured I'd give it a shot and see if, if I could uh, pull it off. So this is either going to be uh, really good or really bad. <laughs> Luckily, I will have the uh, advantage to, of uh, post production to. Kind of salvage it if it goes completely uh, bad. If it's a uh, minus five star territory, uh, haven't done solo audio probably in almost ten years. When I was a part of my college's uh, radio station and did a show there, so this should be fun, interesting, a, a little challenge here um, here for me. But we're gonna get through it. I think I could uh, I could pull it off. So. I appreciate everybody who's uh, sent in questions and who will be listening this week. We'll definitely uh, appreciate your feedback on uh, this week's show. So uh, first thing that I want to jump into here is resurgence. So uh, first thing, you know, a lot of you guys have been asking me and young boy, are we going to be in L.A.? Are we going to be there for resurgence? Are we going to be there for New Japan Strong? Uh, fighting spirit unleashed well i do have some good news for you guys the young boy and i did get approved for media credentials for uh resurgence august 14th so we will be in la come august uh we will have media credentials unfortunately there is not going to be a press conference day before like there was for the G1 Climax in Dallas, which uh, were two-year anniversary of that show, where we got our uh, first media credentials. So no press conference for Resurgence, uh, but we will be in the building for media credentials. Not sure yet what all that's going to entail, whether we're going to have access to wrestlers or not, if we're going to be able to interview any of the wrestlers, or kind of what's going to, what all we get besides entry with our media credentials. And, you know, I was a little discouraged because at first, you know, um, you know, we were reaching out, putting all the word out, trying to figure out, you know, who do we even talk to to get credentials? And, uh, of course, we reached out to some of our sources in the company, uh, pointed us in the right direction. And at first, you know, we were hearing, uh, you know, they're being really strict on um, media credentials for this event. And so we're thinking, oh, man, they're probably only and in the really really big boys you know your sports illustrated your uh, your dave Meltzers of the wrestling observer the, you know that the top 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 dogs but lo and behold keeping it strong style the young boy and i got approved we will be there for resurgence got our media credentials we'll be there with the big boys enjoying this awesome uh, new japan show in la and I do have some news on tickets, uh, how the ticket sales have been going. So tickets went on sale last week, and I got some data here from WrestleTix. This is a great account, guys. 
if you are a stats nerd like me and you like seeing just different numbers and how things are going, there's a account that's dedicated to tracking ticket sales for multiple wrestling promotions. It's WrestleTix. You can follow them on Twitter at WrestleTix. They also have a Patreon account where on that account they do um, more kind of daily updates on ticket sales for you know New Japan, WWE, AEW, if uh, ticket maps get updated and uh, they do a really good job. This account just popped up recently for me in the last couple of weeks, and I've been following them. I'm a part of the Patreon. Um, appreciate all the hard work that they're doing. It seems like I'm just one person. I'm not sure who's actually behind it, but they've been doing a, a great job with this account and getting all this uh, ticket information. So I got some information here on how sales have been going for resurgence. So again, this comes from WrestleTix. So as of right now, from their last update, there are 509 tickets available for Resurgence. Current capacity for the show is 2,252. And as of right now, as of the last report, tickets distributed 1,743, which means 77% of the tickets are gone. And so tickets went on sale it was last Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific time, and by 9.35 Pacific time last week, there were 65% of the tickets sold. Uh, personally, I think this is a great um, advance here, a great, you know, first day ticket sales for Resurgence. You know, it's been a while since New Japan has run um, a big show here in the U.S., and you know, if you look all over social media, if you look in your wrestling circles, you know, New Japan hasn't really been, you know, the talk of the town. And when people are talking on it, they're kind of bashing uh, some decisions. They're not happy with the clap crowds. You, you see a lot of criticism on New Japan um, during this pandemic era. Um, and so there was concern, you know, were these tickets going to sell? Like, you know, are people going to be interested in a U.S. New Japan show right now because it seems like interest is at um, an all-time low in, you know, the past five years or so, and especially with the, the talent they've announced. You know, they haven't really announced any of the top domestic New Japan names, but there are some big names announced for this show, but I think for first day selling 65% of the tickets, I think that's excellent. Um, you know, we weren't sure exactly what the setup was going to be. So as of right now, like I said, the the building is set up for uh, 2,252 for the attendance. I'm not sure if there's going to be social distancing or not. We do know that um, attendees are going to be asked to wear masks, but we're not sure if there's going to be uh, distancing uh, throughout uh, the building like we've seen with other uh, New Japan events in Japan and kind of what we saw with AEW in their run in uh, Daly's Place in Jacksonville uh, during majority of the pandemic. So it'll be interesting to see if that that's part of the reason why the capacity is only limited to 2,252. Um, we will have updates if the, the seating map does get changed. You know, WrestleTix, has, like I mentioned, they've been doing a great job when 
uh, ticket maps do change. They've been kind of reporting that and kind of how that opens up tickets. So if there is a change in the ticket map, uh, we'll talk about it here before the show. I think this is a, a good crowd here for uh, New Japan's first show back in the U.S. Uh, since the pandemic. With, with we, well, now about 77% of the tickets sold. Um, I'm expecting by August, as, as we get to the show, it should be sold out close to a sellout, uh, especially as they start announcing more of the card. I'm sure uh, ticket interest will go up and the rest of these tickets will sell out or be close to uh, selling out. And like we mentioned, uh, we will be there. Uh, there, there, There's talk of uh, New Japan fan meetups uh, that might be happening uh, potentially the day of, maybe day before Resurgence. So if you are going to be uh, out there for Resurgence and the strong tapings, hit us up. Let us know that you're going to be there. We'll be excited to meet you guys. And, um, you know, we're going to plan some kind of meetup, some kind of get together, probably more than likely before the show. And so love to hang out with you guys, hang out with other New Japan fans. So tell your friends, tell anybody that's going to be out there for resurgence to, uh, you know, let's get together. Let's hang out. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, ticket sales will continue to go up once we have more of the card announced. Well, we do have one of the matches announced for Resurgence, and it's going to be the Switchblade. Jay White defending the never-open-weight title against his arch-nemesis, David Finley. Uh, we all know the history between Jay White and David Finley, and we saw that they were setting up this never-title match before uh, Tokyo went into the state of emergency and the Russell Grand Slam shows had to be canceled. And we did have a question here from Reddit user Viking Pain. He says, are you guys excited for the Jay Finley rematch at Resurgence? I really like their New Japan Cup match this year. And I think they have great chemistry together, but they are people that are disappointed that Jay isn't in a bigger, more marquee match. Do you guys feel the same uh so first of all uh i am excited for a jay white finley rematch like you mentioned viking pain they do have great chemistry together there's a, there's a lot of backstory there i'll see with them uh coming out of the new japan Noge dojo together and just the amount of times countless times that they've wrestled each other as young lions and as both of them have uh, graduated and i'll see most recently with the New Japan Cup this year, with Dave Finley kind of getting that big upset victory over Jay White. So I do think it is a solid matchup for this card. It is a matchup that you could have seen in Japan, which I think is a big deal. When people go to these New Japan shows in the U.S., they want them to feel like a true New Japan show, like a show that they would be, be watching at uh, and Hall, at Osaka Joe Hall, um, in any of these arenas in Japan, they, they want that kind of authentic feel. They want matches that would happen on a big card in Japan. And Jay White and Dave Finley, I believe, was going to happen at Wrestle Grand Slam, one of those shows um, either out in the, the field or in the Tokyo Dome for the Never title. So this is a match that you would see in Japan. It's going to be here in the States. It's a big rivalry. Finley got that upset win. I think this is a solid match up to have on this card. Um, I do think that 
Jay White and Dave Finley matches are underrated. I thought the New Japan Cup match was was really really great, and just the way Finley sold in that match, and it's the big upset victory. I mean, people wrote Dave Finley off from day one of the New Japan Cup. And so the fact that he got that far, pulled that upset victory over Jay White and got himself in this position for a never title match, I think is a pretty big deal. And uh, yeah, I think people are asleep on that match. I know a lot of people are not the biggest fans of Jay White and uh, kind of the style he wrestles sometimes. And, you know, Dave Finley hasn't really been pushed very hard. He's, you know, been that mid-card kind of position. He's had some U.S. title matches, uh, obviously very strong in the tag division with him and Juice Robinson as Finn Juice. And so, you know, people really weren't buying into Finley, which is why people were writing him off from day one. But Finley is a very good wrestler. Him and Jay have great chemistry. I think it has potential to be a really good match on this resurgence show. Now, uh, you mentioned about people being upset that Jay White isn't in a bigger match. Now, last week, Young Boy and I talked about as we were kind of, you know, guessing just based on the list of talent they've announced, what matches would happen? What would be your main event? Personally, like we said last week, I think the biggest match, the biggest marquee match that they could have done for this show was John Moxley versus Jay White. These guys have only wrestled one time. Jay beat Moxley. Uh, we've seen a couple social media stuff back and forth uh, between Jay and, uh, well, mainly Jay responding to uh, Renee Paquette, John Moxley's wife, and you know these so these guys haven't touched since the G1, since Moxley the G1 in uh, Japan 2019. Um, they're the two biggest stars that's on the list. That's announced two marquee names, uh, two big names here for the Western audience. I feel like if the main event was announced, Jay White versus John Moxley, I think the show would have sold out. Quicker than it's it's selling, right? I think the show would have sold out by now. Um, like I said earlier, you know, seventy seven percent. I do think tickets are going to come close to a sellout. But I feel like if they had them that Moxley J White main event, I feel like that that's a must see main event. I think that would have you know solidified the decision for a lot of people to travel to L A to see just that matchup. That would have been a big monumental matchup. Now, I understand why they did not do Moxley versus Jay White. Obviously, Jay is the never champion. Moxley is the U.S. champion. I mean, you could have done uh, champion versus champion non-title. That's not as sexy. I feel like, you know, people would have wanted uh, either title for title or seen one of the titles defended. I feel on the show with all these champions, you want to see some title matches. You want to see titles defended. Um so obviously that puts them in a sticky situation if they're trying to either switch the never belt, switch the U.S. belt. I don't think you want to put two belts on Mox and have two belts stuck here in the States. Um, and then obviously New Japan wants to work with Mox and continue that relationship. So that's why they haven't taken the U.S. title off him just quite yet. Um, so I, I understand some of the politics on why they weren't ready to do Jay versus Mox. Um, I know Mox is not really in a big program right now in AEW. You know, he uh, lost the match to the Young Bucks at the last pay-per-view, him and Kingston against the Young Bucks. And uh, he's been off TV after that, eating those uh, three, uh, three or four BTE triggers um, at the end of that matchup. So he's been off TV for a while. They just had a kid. He's, uh, I'm sure, enjoying some time uh, with his uh, newborn baby. And I'm sure he'll be back on the road 
eventually. And so I just think there's just a lot of factors going on into why they just weren't ready to pull off maybe this Mox J White match. And they, you know, obviously some, they don't probably don't want to beat Jay right now and they probably don't want to beat Mox. So if you don't want to beat somebody, don't book the match. Um, you know, that's, that's the philosophy I believe in. Cause then you end up in screwy, uh, no DQ or a DQ, DQ finish, a count out finish. Uh, you get some kind of screwy finish when you book two guys you don't want to beat. And I don't think they're ready to beat either of those guys right now. So I understand why they're not doing Jay and Mox, but I do think that would have been the biggest match to do. And I think that's something they can pull out down the line if Moxley will be able to continue to work for New Japan in the U.S. I know at some point, they're going to try to do Wrestle Dynasty again in Madison Square Garden. I feel like that's a big match that they could probably do there. I mean, that's a lot more tickets they have to sell for an MSG show. So, again, that that Moxley, Jay White, maybe they're saving that for an MSG or some kind of bigger arena where they need to draw even more people. Um, so, that, so that could be um, another reason for holding off on the Moxley-Jay White match. Um, and I get why people could be disappointed. You you want to see a big match. You want to see um, Jay. He's a he's a top you know New Japan star so far announced on this card. You want to see him in a big position. But I still think the never title. It, it's the number two title right now in New Japan. Jay White Finley is a hot feud with a lot of history, a lot of backstory. This is a really big matchup for these guys, and so I think it's a great spot for Jay. Now, as far as where that leaves John Moxley, we'll have to wait and see as the card gets uh, rolled out over the next couple weeks. Obviously, there's a ton of potential of doing uh, Moxley in a tag match with Shota Umino, uh, his young line shooter, the reunion. I think people would love to see the reunion of Shooter and John Moxley. You can do Shooter and Mox against the Good Brothers, obviously Mox. I have the history with the Good Brothers, um, with the whole rivalry in AEW against the Elite. So I think that could make a ton of sense. However, I feel like if you're going to have John Moxley in the U.S. with a show of fans, you want to do a IWGP U.S. title match. I would do a U.S. title match. So, I mean, there's a lot of great names announced for that show that Mox could defend the U.S. title against, um, I, I think for me, the top cho- two choices probably would be uh, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson or Brody King. I know uh, Brody King's a guy Mox said he's wanted to wrestle. He teamed up with Dickinson on a recent episode of Strong, and they also had a, a blood sport match uh, recently. So there is some history there between Dickinson and Mox, so that would be an interesting match. But I, I, if I were New Japan, I would do a IWGP U.S. title match with Mox and not just put him in a tag match with Shooter. Maybe you have, I think you definitely need to do some kind of angle where they get together. Maybe you have, you know, Mox get beat down and Shooter makes a save, or Shooter gets beat down, Mox makes a save, and they have some kind of little reunion angle should definitely do that. I mean, there is a possible. You can even do Mox versus Shooter. I'm not sure how big of a quote unquote marquee match that would be, but it'd be a very interesting match. Uh, so there's a lot of options of what they could do with Moxley coming onto this show. So also last week we had tickets going on sale for Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Um, unfortunately, WrestleTix doesn't have any uh, seating information. 
for a fighting spirit unleashed, but I went on the Eventbrite as of right now. Ringside A uh, seats are all sold out. There are still tickets remaining for uh, the other seatings for the arena. It's very limited space, so if you're going to be in L.A. that weekend for Resurgence and you can afford to stay a couple extra days, why not stay a couple extra days and go to the strong tapings? Uh, young boy and I will not be able to make the strong tapings. We'll be flying back here to Tampa on Sunday of that weekend, um, but we will not be able to stick around for Monday for strong tapings. But if you're live in L.A. or if you're already in town for the weekend and can manage to stay a couple extra days, you know, grab some tickets for the strong tapings. All right, now before we jump into uh, Casino Road, uh, July has started, June is over. That means we have to crown our June Wrestler of the Month and Match of the Month. Uh, so pretty good month for New Japan in the month of June. Let's start with the Wrestler of the Month. Uh, so our Wrestler of the Month, actually a team this month, Wrestlers of the Month, and our June Wrestlers of the Month are the team of Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi, the current never open weight six-man tag champions that represent chaos. These guys have been on an absolute tear with these never six-man titles, putting out banger after banger, defense after defense, uh, taking on all comers. In the month of June, they defended against Los Ingobernables de Japón. They defended against the Bullet Club and set up their next defense against the third-generation dads. These guys have been putting in work Every show they're on in, in the multi-man matches and then putting in work in these never six-man defenses, uh, you know, they're, they're going to go down in history as the greatest never openweight six-man champions with the, the length of the reign, with defenses, with the match quality, with the number of main events they have. Uh, these guys are killing it. And now at this point, I, I don't want these guys to lose a belt. I know every week, uh, young boy and I kind of predict that these guys are losing and they just keep winning. I don't know why we keep saying they're going to drop the belts. I think we still have that old uh, never six-man mentality where the belt's hot potato um, so often. But these guys have been holding it down, keeping it strong, and they are the June wrestlers of the month. Then for the June match of the month, I think there's only one match it could be, and that is the match that was for the vacant IWGP World Heavyweight title between the Dragon Shingo Takagi and the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada. That was just an epic match. I went the full five stars on it. I know a lot of people went five stars on it. Um, it's one of the highest rated matches in June on grapple on cage match. Uh, this was Shingo's coming out party. Uh, Shingo winning the title. Such a great moment 
for the Dragon Shingo Takagi for New Japan fandom. I feel like that Shingo win really just uh, electrified the fans, got some fan interest back, got people talking, uh, starting to get people invested in the product again. And so the match of the month for June, Shingo versus Okada. Great stuff there. Now, speaking of, you know, matches of the month, wrestler of the month, awards, um, something that came up that caught my eye in the last couple of days was from Grapple. And these guys, you should, you should know, the, the Grapple app, these guys, it's an app where you can put your star ratings in, see what other people are rating it and then Grapple, they do a great job of kind of collecting the data from the people who use their app and put out, you know, little infographics on stats. And so this past weekend, Grapple emailed out their top 10 first half of 2021 list, the best matches from January to June 2021 with at least 30 ratings over 132,000 ratings on the app in total this far this year. Let's take a look at this list, guys, if you haven't seen this list. And as I'm reading this list out, I want you to pay attention and see if you, you notice anything. See if, you're, if there's any trends that you can pick up on as I go through this list. So at number 10, we have Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, AW Dynamite, St. Patrick's Day Slam. We have at number nine, The Dragon, Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from the New Japan Cup. Number eight, Aussie Open versus Velocities from PWA, Aussie Open versus Velocities. Number seven, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White from Wrestle Kingdom 15, Day 2. Number six, Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. from the New Japan Cup. Number five. Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay, Wrestle Kingdom 15, Day 1. Number 4, Shingo Takagi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from New Beginning in Nagoya. Match number 3, Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb from Wrestle Kingdom 15, Day 2. Match number 2, Utami Hayashita versus Shuri from Stardom's Tokyo Dream Cinderella. And then the number 1, Rated match, Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from Wrestling Don Taku Day 2. So did you guys pick up on anything? Did you, did, you, did you catch anything, any trends here on this list? Well, no worries. If you didn't, I'm going to point it out to you. So we got 10 matches here, guys. Of these 10 matches, hundred remember, 132,000 ratings this far so far this year. And of the 10 matches on the top 10, seven of the top 10 are New Japan matches. You know, the same promotion that everybody keeps telling me is cooked. It's horrible. It's bad. They're, they, they're, they're past their peak. They're not good anymore. They're old news. But right here on this list, seven of the top 10 matches this year from New Japan. Number one, the number one match. Shingo versus Will Ospreay from Dontaku. And also, another trend here that I picked up, the dragon, Shingo Takagi. He's in, let's see here, he's in one, two, three, four matches of on the top ten here. 
So overall, he has three matches in the top five matches in the first half of 2021 for Grapple. Uh, we, we mentioned it here before. This is the year of the dragon, the year of Shingo Takagi. You know, if the year ended right now and we started doing our Keeping It Strong Style year-end awards, Shingo would easily right now be my wrestler of the year for our calendar period. Like we mentioned here, you look at these matches he's had this year. The matches with Osprey, the matches with Cobb, the matches with Tanahashi, uh, the Okada match, which is not on this list right now. Uh, this guy is just incredible, has been having an amazing, amazing year. And I think by the end of the year, we're going to see more of his matches probably climb up here. G1 has not happened yet, guys. That's right. G1 Climax is around the corner. Just imagine the great matches Shingo is going to have in that tournament as long as he goes in healthy. Um, this guy's having an incredible year. Uh, I think he's going to be the wrestler of the year in several podcasts and publications year-end awards. So I uh, just wanted to share that with you guys. I thought it was uh, just very interesting, just the New Japan dominance on this grapple list in the ratings. So, yes, you know, maybe New Japan is not booking uh, the storylines that you like right now. Maybe they're not the talk of the town. Uh, Western fan interest is down, but these guys are still putting out quality wrestling. They're still, in my opinion, the best bell-to-bell wrestling promotion going today. And I said as somebody who loves AEW, I watch Dynamite every week. I watch as much wrestling as I possibly can. I watch NXT I'll, tr- I'll watch the Ring of Honor here and there. I'll watch them start them here and there. Uh, I got a pretty wide net of the stuff I'm watching, and I still think New Japan is the best bell-to-bell promotion today. Well, now let's transition over into Kazuna Road. So we had two Kazuna Road shows that happened last week, concluding the Kazuna Road tour. So the first show we had Thursday, July 1st, uh, show opened up. We had the Bullet Club team of El Fantasmo, Jado, and Taiji Ishimori defeating the suzuki team of Doki, El Sperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. 10 minutes and 22 seconds here. Uh, I'll see that the big focus here is building up the uh, upcoming um Taiji Ishimori and Desperado Junior title match that's going to be coming up later this week. And there's also some junior tag title ramifications since EOP and Taiji are the junior tag champs. And you had uh, three Suzuki Gun juniors in this matchup. If they had gotten the win, that could have potentially set up a junior tag title match down the line. But that was not the case this night. Um, Taiji Ishimori puts away Doki with the Bloody Cross in a good opener. Then we move on. We have the Suzuki Gun team of Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. 12 minutes and 24 seconds. Obviously, this is uh, more build and set up for the upcoming IWGP tag team title match that will be happening at Summer Struggle in Sapporo. And uh, another uh, good matchup here. 
Uh, not that much story development. These guys, are, I think they're kind of cutting the, the silliness out. We saw a lot of silliness with the, uh, you know, LIJ asking to get the autographs and using that to set up the title match and all that stuff. These guys are getting a little bit more serious now. We did have uh, Tai Chi here getting the win with the stretch plum. Um, Bushi gets the win here. Also delivered a pretty nasty, uh, dangerous backdrop driver before he got him in the stretch plum. Get the the win here for uh, the Suzuki Goon team. Then we got to the hotness here. The, the second half of the show where we had three big singles matches as the feud between Chaos and the New Japan Dads, the third generation, uh, came to a head. So first we had Yoshihashi defeating Hiroshi Tenzon. 14 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, I thought this was a, a good matchup considering uh, the state of Tenzon in 2021. Um, and Yoshihashi has just been a guy that's, that's been on fire since winning the never six-man titles. Um, story of the match here, Yoshihashi taking Tenzon lightly at first and, uh, you know, kind of thinking, yeah, he's a, he's a New Japan dad. I'm a never six-man champ. I can take this guy uh, pretty easy. This is a light night for me. Um, but Tenzon was not having any of that, and uh, Yoshihashi slapped Tenzon, and Tenzon said disrespect will not be tolerated. And, of course, Tenzon comes back with the Mongolian chops, and as we uh, get on through the match, Yoshihashi realized he has to pick it up. He has to get more aggressive, and we see a more aggressive Yoshihashi, and he laid in some heavy chops onto Tenzon's chest, uh, by the end of this match, Tenzon's chest is beat red. Uh, yeah, it, it was just nasty. It was red. It was bruising. Yoshihashi was laying in those chops um, on Tenzon, not holding back. Uh, there was uh, some great uh, near submissions from Tenzon. He locks in the Anaconda Vice. Uh, Yoshihashi has to struggle to the ropes. Uh, we had a headbutt exchange at one point, which Tenzon wins. I don't know what... Yoshihashi was thinking, how, how, why would you get into a headbutt match with the, the Mongolian strength of Tenzon, that big uh, block head he has? I know he's not a Samoan, he's not a Tongan, but he has that big hard head, and you, you don't want to go for a headbutt battle, a headbutt challenge with Tenzon, and Yoshihashi, he, he made a mistake there, and he fell uh, to Tenzon's headbutt. Uh, once again, Tenzon gets the vice locked in. Yoshihashi uh, escapes. He hits uh, Tenzon hits the Anaconda Buster for a near, near fall, and Tenzon then goes to the top, goes for a top rope headbutt. Yoshihashi moves. He hits that big Western lariat for a near fall, running Meteora for a near fall, and then he locks in the Butterfly Lock. Adds the Kimura to it. Tenzon has no choice but to submit. He was in the middle of the ring, not close to ropes. He, he had to tap out here. So Yoshihashi gets the, the win on the board here. Chaos strikes the first blood on this night. And like I said, pretty good match for it being, um, you know, a 2021, um, you know, old Tenzon and Yoshihashi. I graded this match three and a quarter stars. So then after that, we had the next matchup with Satoshi Kojima 
my man, the leader of the Bread Club, the strongest arm. He defeated Hiroki Goto 15 minutes and 11 seconds. And not only did Kojima beat Goto on Thursday, July 1st, he also, in the U.S., won a tag match on Impact Teaming with Jake Something. So Kojima, this guy, won two matches in two different countries on the same day. This is Bread Club Summer. This is the summer of cozy, guys. Get get on train now. Get your bread now. Join the Bread Club. Get your membership because this is a hot summer for Kojima. And don't forget, he has a strong open weight title match coming up uh, later this summer against Filthy Tom Lawler. And then here the next day, he's getting ready for a never six-man title match. And don't forget the Will Ospreay match that happened at the beginning of this year, that that feud between the Empire and Tenkozy. This has been a, an awesome year for Kojima. And this is, like I said, this is a bread club summer, a summer of cozy. So get into it, guys, okay? So like I said here, Kojima, he beats Goto 15 minutes, 11 seconds. And this match was so good. Uh, Kojima has just been on a roll this year. Um Nice little hard-hitting match here. We, we have some spots here where, uh, you know, it kind of starts off with your standard kind of grappling, exchanging the go to the outside. Uh, Kojima is just outpowering Goto, whipping him into the barricades. Uh, Goto reverses Kojima into the barricades. And, uh, and the big uh, mistake here from Kojima, he charges in with a lariat uh, on Goto, who's standing up against the post. Goto moves, and Kojima hits that strongest arm against the post. His uh, his big weapon, his uh, final bullet, uh, you know, that, that finishing maneuver was uh, damaged here with the strongest arm hitting the ring post on the outside. And Goto, being the veteran that he is, takes advantage of that. He works on the arm throughout the match. He's using Kimura, uh, really just trying to work over the arm, uh, different arm submissions put all his focus on the strongest arm of Kojima. Uh, then hits a big backdrop uh, suplex that uh, Kojima no-sells, and then he back suplex Goto. We get the machine gun chops, um, rolling elbow from Kojima, but then Goto comes back with a layer of his own, uh, wheel kicking a bulldog for a near fall. Then Goto then tries to go for Kojima's Diving elbow drop, uh, but Kojima cuts him off. Uh, he lariats him off the turnbuckle. Goto goes crashing outside to the ring. Eventually, they get back in. We got a big uh, forearm exchange. We have a layered exchange, which, of course, the strongest arm. Kojima wins. Uh, we got a Koji cutter for a near fall. Goto reverses an incoming lariat into an Ushigoroshi. At this point in the match, we then had Yoshihashi, who came out to. Uh, be in the corner for Hiroki Goto. Uh, Kojima hits a left arm air lariat for a near fall. It wasn't the right arm, so it wasn't quite as strong. Um, Goto catches a lariat and hits a reverse GTR. He hits his rope-assisted GTR for a great near fall, which uh, Voice of Wrestling pointed out on Twitter, the, rever- or the uh, rope-assisted GTR 
is the most dangerous looking move that doesn't put anybody away. Uh, Goto's never beaten anybody with it. Uh, Shingo has used it, used it in matches. He doesn't beat anybody with it. But it looks absolutely brutal. But he gets a near fall off of that. Uh, Kojima then catches a kick and eventually hits that big Larry, the strongest arm. One, two, three. Satoshi Kojima defeats Hiroki Goto. Third gen gets on the board. Chaos has one win. Third generation dads, they have one win. And this was a big, big win for my man, Satoshi Kojima. We had a couple questions here on this matchup. First from Reddit user MitchMM22. says, Goto has now lost to a New Japan dad, Kojima, and a junior heavyweight, Ishimori, in the year 2021. Is this man cooked? Well, I don't, I don't know if Goto is cooked, but I, he's definitely a geek. The G in G1 does not stand for Goto. It stands for geek. Goto is a geek. No, but uh, in all seriousness, um, I, I don't think Goto is cooked. Um, Goto's still a very good wrestler, puts on some bangers. You, you put him in, in a main event in a singles position, I think he's going to deliver um, but the thing with Goto is also he's getting older and he just hasn't been pushed to the top level. You know, earlier on, you know, he was winning multiple New Japan Cups. He was getting IWGP title matches. He was IC champ, never champ. Um, you know, he, he's had some several single pushes and several attempts to kind of get him to that main event level. And also in the last couple of years, that's kind of phased down. He's, you know, been more of a never guy. Um, and, and now he's really kind of gone down in this never six-man role. So from a kayfabe perspective, it does kind of seem like he might be quote-unquote cooked uh, because he's not in that you know big singles match. He's not getting, he hasn't gotten an IWGB title match in a while. Um, but in ring, he's still a, a great wrestler, and he's, he's a key part of why this never six-man team um, has great main events and great matches. This match here, with Kojima was a very, very, very good match. I rated it 3.75, and I think Goto is still uh, a great wrestler. Um, but, yeah, he did eat these two losses here. So with the Kojima loss, I don't think that loss is as damaging. Um, and when we look at the Kojima loss, Kojima is, is a former IWGP champ, former Triple Count champ, uh, a big guy in New Japan history, a guy that's been in the Dome, that's come from the dojo, um, he's a top star, and just looking at the year that Kojima's had, like we mentioned, Kojima has been in bigger spots than Goto has been this year. Arguably, you look at the the, the Empire Tenkoji feud, and that, that big uh, no-DQ match that Kojima had with Osprey. You look at what he's been doing here in Japan, in the U.S. He's in Impact getting title matches. He, he has a strong title match coming up. He's been put in some big spots this year, while Goto hasn't. And like I mentioned last week, I thought it made a lot more sense for Kojima to win because he does have this strong openweight title match coming up with Filthy Tom at some point in the future on New Japan Strong. And plus, this uh, loss to Kojima was to set up a story that was going to play out the following night in the Never Six Man title match, and we'll talk about that in a second. So, you know, it's another heavyweight here. It's a, it's a former uh, IWGP champion. It's the strongest arm. Losing to Kojima doesn't kill Goto's credibility at all. 
Um, you know, these are two heavyweights. It, the match could have gone either way. I know a lot of people think, oh, it's a New Japan dad. They're automatically going to lose, but that was not the case here. And I don't think that was that big of a loss. Now, you, you bring up the Ishimori loss, and that was a very surprising. Ishimori pinned him a couple times in the build-up to that never six-man title match with that Bullet Club trio. Um, but again, that was also to uh, set up a story. The thing here with these, with these never six-man title matches, like, like I mentioned earlier, we have been conditioned to think that these titles are going to uh, change hands often. And with the role that Ichi, Goto, and Yoshihashi have been on, I think they need to you know throw something out there to make you think, all right, these guys are losing. So having Ishimori pin Goto on multiple occasions really helped get that in your mind. Like, wow, like, you know, you would think Ishimori's a pin eater because he's a junior, but Goto's getting, you know, pinned by this guy several times. Like, these guys have a shot at winning. And again, that that set up a story. When the title match came, Goto got his comeuppance on Taiji Ishimori and put that in the rear view. Um, So I don't think that loss is that big of a deal I mean definitely it was surprising and big for Ishimori but I don't really think it hurts Goto like that um and I, th- I think you know if Goto was really really cooked I think we would be seeing him in more opening matches and I think maybe you would see maybe losing two more juniors losing to more third gen dads but um you know he's in a good spot right now with the never six-man title they put um, a lot of focus on that never six man team in that division in their their title defenses. So Goto is not cooked. He's definitely not you know at the top of the mountain or close to you know getting a, a world title. Uh, but he he's still good. Next question comes from Reddit user P San ninety one. He says I was at the Kazuna Road show on July first, and in the crowd where I was sitting, there was a huge pop. When Kojima won, it was such a feel-good moment. The crowd was also pulling for Nagata, but my boy Ishii pulled out the win to keep his dreams of going to the Tokyo Dome to face Shingo alive and well. My question for you guys is, how do you react to Kojima's first big singles win in a while? I'm assuming the celebration in the dojo were off the charts. Well, uh, well, first of all, there there are now uh, two dojos. There is no longer one keeping it strong style dojo. Uh, I'm sure you guys could tell by uh, the recording that Young Boy and I have not been in the same room for a while, and that's because we are no longer living together. Uh, we uh, now have two separate dojos, uh, and with me uh, being the baby face of the duo my dojo is the uh kiss red and black wolfpack dojo and young boys dojo as the heel is the hollywood black and white dojo now i don't know if there were celebrations in the black and white dojo but in the wolfpack dojo in my dojo there was a celebration for Hiroki Goto, get or excuse me, for Satoshi Kojima getting that big win over Hiroki Goto, uh, I was very uh, pleased to see Kojima get the win, especially because it, it seemed like maybe the Chaos team would have just pulled a clean sweep here. Things what a lot of people predicted, but my man Kojima pulled it out. Bread Club Summer rolls on. 
So then we get to the main event of the show. It was Big Tom, Tomohiro Ishii, the Stone Pitbull. He defeats Yuji Nagata 22 minutes and 20 seconds. And this was a excellent main event. This was a G1 Climax match. This was a never open weight title match quality. Uh, Ishii Nagata, these guys just don't miss. Uh, very hard hitting matchup here. Straight from the, the opening bell. Um, their, their strike exchanges back and forth. Uh, Ishii slaps Nagata. Uh, Nagata gets an armbar in. Uh, Ishii gets out of that. He's chopping. Uh, Nagata, Nagata's no selling that, which uh, fires up, which fires him up, and he strikes Ishii. And Ishii's no selling, and he levels Nagata. Um, these guys are just going back and forth. Ishii's killing Nagata with chops. That must have been the game plan in the the chaos locker room because um, we saw Yoshihashi kill the chops on Tenzon. Now Ishii was doing the same to Nagata. Uh, I'm sure Nagata and Tenzon went in the back and compared the redness and the bruising, the the black and purple of their chest together to see whose chest was worse. Because just like Tenzon's chest, uh, Nagata's chest ends up looking a nasty color here as uh, Ishii is just laying these chops in. Uh, there's a point where he just he has them in the corner, and he's just chopping him and chopping him and chopping him, and Nagata would fall down in a seated position. And he would, he would fight his way back up, and Ishii would chop him and chop him and chop him. Falls back down to the seat position. He fights his way back up, and Ishii would chop him and chop him and chop him down that corner. And Ishii just worked him over in that corner for a couple of minutes there. Uh, but eventually, Nagata would come back with a big running knee. Then he starts hitting several kicks, several hard kicks to the chest of Ishii, trying to return the favor there. Hits a beautiful butterfly suplex. We have another uh, big strike exchange. This time, Ishii crumbles. Nagata hits a PK to the back, but that just pisses the stone pit bull off. Uh, he forearms Nagata. Uh, get, um, I mean, I know a delayed selling. So I, I know a lot of people might not like, you know, a lot of pro wrestling traditionalists, they might not like uh, when, when guys no sell or no sell a move, and I know a lot of people say, well, Ishii no sells, you know, he, he gets hit with a big strike, he gets hit with a big move, and he pops back up, he doesn't sell, he doesn't register, but that's not true, Ishii is the master of the delayed sell, and I don't know if that's like the proper terminology, also young boy's not here to correct me, the guy who's training to be a wrestler, but Ishii does the delayed sell, he gets hit with a move he doesn't sell it right away. He he tries to fight back, and then eventually he'll sell it. He'll no sell, hit a move, and then he'll grab the body part that's hurting. Um, and we saw a lot of that here in this match when he would fire up and no sell. He would eventually uh, sell uh, the moves there. Um, so from there, forearm and chop combo from Ishii in the corner. Hits a big stalling superplex. Eventually Nagata comes back. Nagata lock. Uh, Ishii gets his foot on the ropes. Um, thought it was interesting, uh, the Japanese commentary team uh, mentioning uh, AEW on the air. They were also mentioning uh, Nagata's U.S. title match against John Moxley that happened on Dynamite. Uh, once again, we had another strike exchange. Nagata outstrikes Ishii. Nagata hits a big super exploder off the top. Um, 
eventually uh, Ishii fights out of the backdrop hole, hits um, uh, a lariat to Nagata, uh, headbutts him. Then they uh, once again just start slapping the crap out of each other, just hard slaps to the face. Uh, Ishii ends that exchange with an insecurity, big double down here. Uh, Ishii no sells an exploder, hits a lariat for a near fall. Falls up with the sliding lariat for a near fall. Nagata fights out the brain buster. Hits a wheel kick. Nagata hits a big running knee. Nagata hits a German. Nagata hits a spinning brain buster for a literal 2.9 kick out from Ishii. Great near fall there. Ishii eventually comes to, hits his brain buster. One, two, three. The Stone Pitbull gets the win here. So chaos ends the night 2-1 over the third generation dads as they build up for their never six-man title match that was happening the following night. Like I mentioned, excellent main event here. I went four and a half stars on this match. This is a must-see match. You need to go out of your way to watch this will be a contender for our strong style fight of the year awards at the end of the years. Uh, this right now is a top running candidate for July match of the month. Also, we still have a, a lot of big summer struggle shows in Russell Grand Slam that will probably put out matches to compete. But uh, right now, Nagata Ishii are, are holding it down in my book for July and was the best Match of this night and definitely one you need to go watch. Now let's move on to the following night, July 2nd, where we would have the Nair Six Man main event. But first, the show opened up with the IWGP World Champion and his number one contender. They were in uh, singles matches, respectively, against our two young lions from the Nogue Dojo here, Yoto Suji and Yomura, who just recently finished a five-match challenge series as they are, you got to think, closing in on their graduation from the Noge Dojo. So in the opening match of this card, we had Kota Ibushi defeating Yota Suji at 12 minutes and 10 seconds. This was a very good match, good opener here. Um, Ibushi, um, lots of strikes here on Suji, and uh, Ibushi was just doing some cool stuff in this move. There was a, a cool uh, double stomp combo he did. Um, Suji looked good as well. You know, Suji's been doing a lot of like lucha libre um, inspired moves in this match. He did this like cool like wacky roll up on Ibushi, uh, but you know. Suji's just not on the level of the Golden Star. Ibushi hits him with a big lariat, um, and then Ibushi puts him away the same way he put Yamura away last week with that single-leg crab, that deep, almost a, a half-lion tamer, that angle that Ibushi gets that, that half-crab in, the way he puts the knee in the back, and the, the awkward position that he had Suji bent in. Suji had no um, option but to submit here. Then the second matchup of the night, we had Shingo versus Yumura. Um, again, another good matchup here. Another good showing for Yumura. Yumura um, kind of a similar game plan to Goto 
from the Goto and Kojima match. He, he tried to work over the arm of Shingo to prevent getting hit with a pumping bomber. Um, and he tried to, you know, out-wrestle the dragon here, but that was not going to happen. Shingo was not going to let that fly for too long. Um, eventually, Shingo would hit him with the pumping bomber. One, two, three, puts him away. Good showing from Yamura. Uh, he took the fight to Shingo, but yeah, Shingo had to uh, put the young lion out to pasture here for this match. And, um, you know, post match, Yamura looks like he, he busted his lip, bloodied up. Um, he shoved Shingo, but wasn't, you know, trying to go out on his own, on his own merit there. So you got to think that these guys are closing in. On uh, their graduation date So following that match We had the Suzuki team Of El Sparado, Suzuki And Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeat The Bullet Club team of El Fantasmo, Jado and Taiji Ishimori Desperado Puts Jado away With the numero dos Submission win here So he didn't pin one of the or submit one of the junior champs. He didn't, you know, submit ELP or Ishimori. So I don't think that we're going to be getting that Suzuki Goon uh, Bullet Club junior title match just yet. But they do have a, a win over the team now. They could potentially, you know, petition for a junior tag team title match based off this win from this six man tag. So following that, we have the team of Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito defeating the Suzuki team of Doki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. So the LIJ team getting revenge from the previous night here. And uh, we had uh, Bushi hitting the MX on Doki to get the win here. So maybe, who knows, maybe we'll get, we'll get a Bushi-Doki singles match coming up, but... Obviously, once again, the focus here was on Dangerous Techers and Naito and Sonata. Then we'll move on to the main event for the Never Open Weight six-man tag team titles. Hiroki Goto, Tomorishi Yoshihashi, they defeat the third-generation dads, Hiroshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, and Yuji Nagata, 26 minutes and 50 seconds, and this was a awesome main event. Uh, you know, we, we saw the, the great chemistry these guys had one-on-one uh, the previous night, and it all just uh, gelled together here in this uh, six-man tag. Uh, started off with Nagata and Ishii picking up where they left off the night before, and going at it, uh, third generation dad uh, got in control of the match. Uh, eventually, uh, Chaos would come back after Tenzon accidentally takes out Kojima. Um, then once again, Ishii, uh, they, they pull out the Chaos uh, playbook of chops. And Ishii is destroying uh, Kojima with chops. And Yoshihashi comes in. He's working over Kojima. Uh, Kojima hits a, a big Koji cutter and tags Tenzon in. Tenzon comes and he's cleaning house. Uh, but Yoshihashi hits a neck breaker on him for a near fall, locks in the butterfly lock again. So playing off the singles match there, uh, uh, Tenzon tapping out to Yoshihashi's butterfly lock. So you, you thought the match could be over there. 
uh, but Tenzon fights his way out. Yoshihashi then uh, once again starts chopping Tenzon. Uh, Tenzon fights through the pain, hits a big spinning wheel kick, and he tags in Nagata. Uh, Yoshihashi hits a headhunter. Then we have a three-on-one attack on Nagata until Kojima finally comes in and tries to make a save. Uh, Ishii gets tagged in and he power slams Nagata. Then uh, Tenzon comes in. We got a, a headbutt exchange. Like I said earlier, do not get into a headbutt exchange with Tenzon. Uh, Tenzon wins the headbutt exchange. He starts laying in the formerly banned Mongolian chops. And then uh, Nagata gets in the guy lock in. Tenzon locks in the Anaconda Vice and. Kojima locks in and Kimura. So all three of the Chaos guys are all locked in submissions here. Um, but they all uh, break it up here. Uh, uh, well, Nagata, he changed uh, his crossface into the Brutalizer. Um, then gets back to the Nagata lock. But Yoshihashi makes a save. Nagata hits an explosure, exploder. Ishii hits a German. Then we get a, another three-on-one attack here on Nagata. Uh, Kojima once again makes a save um, for Nagata. Then uh, Ten Senzon comes in, hits but Ishii. Uh, we get a Lariat Anaconda Buster combo from Tenzon and Kojima. Uh, Nagata hits a backdrop, but then uh, Goto makes the save. Ishii headbutts Nagata. Um, Goto and Kojima get tagged in, so we pick back up where we left off on July 1st with these two. We get the machine gun chops from Kojima, but Goto fires up and uh, he does his chops of his own. He hits the he hits Kojima's diving elbow. We then get a two on one assault on Kojima. Tenzon makes the save. Then we have all six men in the ring. They're all going back and forth here. Uh, Tenkoji eventually hits the Tenkoji cutter on Ishii. Uh, they try to hit it on Goto but failed. We have a two on one attack on Kojima. Uh, Kojima hits a brain buster for a near fall. Then he goes for the Lariat, like how he beat Goto the night before, but Goto reverses it into a Ushigoroshi. Goto then hits a GTR. One, two, three. Goto redeems himself here. He, he gets the win back on Kojima, and he gets the win for his team. So like I was saying uh, previously about the question about Goto being cooked, him losing to Kojima was all to set up this story of the match and this finish. You, you, you get Goto and Kojima in here at the end. You, you think, oh, man, well, Kojima beat him last night. There's a chance he can beat him again. There's a chance they can switch the titles. that They've held the belts for a while. So it planted the, the seed of doubt in your mind. It made you think the third-gen dads would get the win here. But like I said, Goto redeems himself. He hits the GTR. He gets the win for the Chaos team. He, he proves to you guys that he... Uh, is not cooked yet. Um, so then post-match, uh, we had Ishii uh, being the, the bigger man here and uh, using the code of honor. He, he asked for handshakes. You know, This match was very heated going in. These guys were not respecting each other, but Ishii, he, he gained respect for these guys with the battle they had here. Uh, so he, he goes, he, he shakes the guy's hands first, and we have all the guys, they all start shaking hands um, you know, showing their their mutual respect, and then we're getting ready for the traditional end of show speech from Goto, and then the lights go out, come back up with Evil and Dick Togo choking out Ichi'e, uh, Goto and Yoshihashi were nowhere to be seen, uh, as 
Evil later would say that he didn't want any other shot at those trio titles. He just wanted Ishii. Um, so it looks like we're getting a Ishii Evil matchup for one of these shows coming up. Um, it could be uh, Summer Struggle in Osaka, or it could be Russell Grand Slam in the Tokyo Dome coming up July 25th. We need some uh, singles matches for the Dome. And hey, if you're going to give Evil a singles match, why not put him in there with Ishii, a guy he's traditionally had uh, good matches with? Um, if they can keep the lights off and Garot wire choking shenanigans to a minimum. These guys could have a great match and, um, you know, get some, some good uh, spotlight on, on Evil here. And pretty big, you know, big uh, singles match at the Dome for Ishii would be cool as well. So we'll stay posted on when this Evil and Ishii eventual singles match will be. So that concludes the Kazuna Road Tour these last two shows here, July 1st and 2nd. I uh, did have a question here from the Reddit user, from Reddit user the Peaky Blinder. It says, next challengers for the Never Six Man Belts. I hope the United Empire at the Dome Show, if Hanare can travel. I hope Evil is only looking for a singles match of Ishii, and this will take place at Summer Struggle, leaving Ishii free to defend the Six Man Belts at the Dome Show. Well, I think United Empire, a team of Cobb, um, Great Okan, and Hanare would be a great set of challengers for this uh, Chaos team here. However, um, I feel like Cobb and Okan are probably going to have singles matches at Wrestle Grand Slam, so I don't think we'll see a never six-man defense against those guys at the Dome, and I feel like this Ishii Evil match might end up being at the Dome. So I'm sorry, Peaky Blinder. I don't think you're going to get a six-man defense in the Dome, um, but Summer Struggle Tour is long. We'll probably get another uh, six-man defense sometime um, later this summer, and I got to imagine United Empire is probably a top prospect, a top team that these guys haven't really faced yet that you can throw out there for a very exciting and very great uh, Cork and Hall main event or wherever uh, show decided to put that on. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, well, let's, now let's move on into previewing Summer Struggle in Sapporo. So we have two big shows coming up this weekend, July 10th and July 11th in Sapporo. So, night one's card, we have Kota Ibushi and Master Wato taking on Yota Suji and Yu Yamura. Second matchup, we have Tomohiro Ishii and Yo taking on the Bull Club team of Dick Togo and Evil. So, again, we're, we're going to start the, the fire, fueling the fire there for an Ishii-Evil singles match. Then, in the third match of the card, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with a returning Rocky Romero, our good friend Rocky Romero, 
back in Japan, teaming up with Tanahashi and Risuke Taguchi. That's right, the Mega Coaches are back together again, and they'll be facing off against the Bullet Club team of ELP, Yujiro Takahashi, and a returning Kenta. So Kenta coming back to Japan as well. And so I think they are playing the seeds for what's coming up here in this matchup. Here's what you, got, you gotta pay attention to who's matchup against who here. So I think with uh, Rocky coming back and being teamed up with Taguchi and the, and the Mega Coaches being back together, I think they're setting up Rocky and Taguchi to be challengers for ELP and Taiji Ishimori. I could see Rocky getting an upset win on ELP, which will put them in line for a IWGP Junior Tag Team title match, which then leaves uh, Kenta and Tanahashi. Uh, I'm seeing some stuff on social media where they kind of they've highlighted the history of Kenta and Tanahashi. Um, like I mentioned, we got a lot of big shows. We got the Dome coming up. You, you got to have Tanahashi in a singles match in the Dome. Um, so I feel like Kenta uh, would be a great opponent for him. They've had a couple matches um, since Kenta has been in New Japan in this latest uh, stint here, and they've they've all been uh, really good matches. And so I think also in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, big match atmosphere. Both of these guys deliver in big matches. I think that would be a great matchup for Wrestle Grand Slam. So then in the fourth match, we have a tag match. Kazuchika Okada and Sho taking on the United Empire. Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. So Jeff Cobb also back in Japan. And once again here, I think we are getting some foreshadowing to what's to come with Okada. So, uh, obviously, on the Empire side here, we have two heavyweights. We have Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. Um, I think they could set up a singles match for Okada with either one of those guys. Personally, I think the the better option would be to do Okada versus Jeff Cobb with the the role that Cobb's been on and just you know in this new heel role. Uh, he's he's just been killing it this year. Uh, so I think an Okada Cobb match in the Dome would be excellent. Uh, we we have seen Okada and the great Okan in the past before that they wrestled each other. Uh, I believe it was Power Struggle last year. Um, and it was a fine match. They didn't get a ton of time. Um, it, it wasn't a blow-away Okada match. And so um, if they really want to heat up the great Okan, they could do Okada, great Okan in the Dome, Russell Grand Slam. But personally, I think they should do Okada and Jeff Cobb. So then we move on to the semi-main event of the evening. We have the Suzuki team of Doki, Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. And they'll be taking on the LIJ team of Bushi, Sanada, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. So I'll see the kind of the final uh, build here for the tag title match. And then the main event of the evening will be for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title as El Esperado defends against Taiji Ishimori. So they've been building this tag, or excuse me, they've been building this uh, singles junior title matchup for a while now. And so now we're finally getting Despi and Taichi Ishimori. Um, should be a good match. Also, we have heel versus heel here. So we could be uh, getting a story of like who can out cheat one another. Um, I kind of hope we'll get more of a, a straight match. I'm sure at the beginning we'll probably get some, you know, shenanigans and. Uh, eye pokes and uh, you know, kind of cheating shenanigans between these two. Uh, hopefully, 
the middle of the match and the closing stretch can be more straight up and more clean. Both these guys are very talented. Um, should be able to put out a, a, a very good main event here. Um, both these guys not really huge high flyers. They they will fly at times. So I don't think we're going to get our you know off the wall high flying junior title match here. But it should still be um, fast paced. Um, it should be some high flying. It still should be a, a very good matchup here. Um, now, as far as uh, predictions, um, I think that Desperado is going to retain the title here. Um, if Ishimori wins, you you have a situation again where you have a double champ of Ishimori being the uh, junior tag champ and the single junior champ. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to keep the belt on Despy for now, and then Ishimori can focus on the tag uh, title uh, division. Like I mentioned, we have the Mega Coaches back here, so I think that Ishimori loses here, and then he can go and focus on the Mega Coaches with ELP, and then Despy can move on to whatever's next. Uh, we have been seeing Hiromu pop up on camera every once in a while. I would, I gotta think that he's gonna be ready to return pretty soon. So uh, I think Hiromu um, taking the belt from Despy would be um, probably a the right call to do. I'll say Hiromu never lost the belt. Had they forfeit the belt, Despy ends up getting the belt. So you got to have the champion who never lost the belt against this new champion. And so I think it'd be uh, that. Obviously, they though had a they had a big money match in Super Juniors last year. So at some point, whenever Hiromu's ready, you can do the big Hiromu Despy match and have Hiromu get the belt back, or you can have you know Despy retain and have Hiromu kind of have to scratch and claw to get that belt back. So then looking at the following night's card, July 11th, it will open up with Sho and Yuyamara taking on El Esperado and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Then we'll have the chaos team of Baraki Romero, Tomoyo Ishii, teaming with Frisuke Taguchi. So once again, like I said, Mega Coaches back together again. They're taking on ELP, Evil, and Taiji Ishimori. So Taiji is here in this matchup here. So uh, if if the Mega Coaches don't get the upset win on the 10th, I definitely think they will get the upset win here on the 11th with either Rocky or Taguchi pinning ELP or Ishimori, which would lead to a junior tag title match. Um, maybe it main events Summer Struggle in Osaka, or maybe you put that on Wrestle Grand Slam in the Dome. Also, Evil Ishii in this match, you continue the build to that singles match. Following matchup, you have Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming with Fyoto Suji, taking on the Bullet Club team of Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi. So once again, we have Tanahashi and Kenta paired off. Um, I think that's clearly the direction that we're going to be going in with those two guys having a big singles match coming up. Then the fourth match of the night, we will have Kazuchika Okada and Yo taking on the United Empire, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. So once again... Okada matched up with these two Empire heavyweights. Like I said earlier, it can go either way. I think you could get Okada versus Okan or Okada versus Cobb on one of these shows that are coming up. I mean, there's enough shows you could potentially, if they want to, they could do both. You could have Okada and Okan, let's say, main event, summer struggle in Osaka, and then you do Okada and Cobb in uh, Russell Grand Slam in the Tokyo Dome. So they could do both, or it could, it could be one or the other. Like I said, I, I really want the Okada-Cobb matchup, and I think for the Dome, that would be great. 
Then the semi-main event, we have Kota Bushi and Master Wato taking on Bushi and Chingo. Um, continue to build up that upcoming um, July 25th Tokyo Dome title match between Shingo and Ibushi. And then our main event for night two of Summer Struggle in Sapporo is for the IWGP Tag Team titles. Dangerous Techers defend the titles against Sonata and Tetsuya Naito. Uh, has the recipe of being a great match. All four of these guys have great chemistry with each other and against each other and teaming together. Um, so, and like we've been seeing these new Japan main events get anywhere between 25 and 30 minutes. So if that amount of time and the talent in this ring, um, should be a great main event. Uh, now, as far as my prediction, I'm going to go with the hot take here. I'm going to go with a title change. going to go with, Sonata and Tetsuya Naito winning the IWGP Tag Team titles from Dangerous Techers. I know Techers just got the belts back, but here's the thing, guys. We we have some big Summer Struggle shows coming up. We have Russell Grand Slam and Tokyo Dome coming up. You, you need some hot matches, and if Techers win, I don't know who they defend the belts against moving forward. So I think that the right call here is you have Naito and Sonata win the titles and then you could immediately do a rematch either probably a rematch in I'd probably do this match at the Tokyo Dome um, because it doesn't seem like they really have any singles programs really lined up for Naito and Sonata. You can kind of save those guys for G1 and kind of have them here in this tag feud so you could have. Yeah, then win the belts here in Sapporo, and then I would do the rematch at the Tokyo Dome, and then you could switch the belts back there. Or if you want, you could have Naito and Sonata kind of do a little mini run with the belts. Um, That's a new team, a fresh team, some fresh matchups. You can do uh, Naito and Sonata against uh, Girls of Destiny. You can do Naito and Sonata against United Empire. You can do Naito and Sonata against some Bullet Club, another Bullet Club duo. Um, so there, there are matches, uh, Suzuki and duos, there's other, and so other matches that they can do, uh, with Naito and Sonata as the tag champs. Um, if they lose here, I'm just not quite sure what direction is. I don't know, A, I don't know who Dangerous Techers would face, um, going forward. Cause it seems like a lot of teams are going to be tied up in singles matches coming up. And then B, I don't know what you do with Sonata and Naito. Cause again, people are starting to get wrapped up in feuds and I'm not sure where these guys fit in. I mean, there's no IC title. There's just no hot, um, you know, feud or money match for these guys right now. I mean, maybe they face it, they fail, and maybe they face each other at the Dome. But I I think the more logical thing here is new champs rematch at the Dome. So that wraps up my preview for Summer Struggle in Sapporo. Again, those shows are this weekend, July 10th and 11th. Uh, so it should be some good shows. I'm actually pretty excited. I know it, there's a, there's a lot of multi-man matches, and we're only really getting you know two uh, big matches with the junior title match and the tag title match, but they are uh, planting seeds and starting to set up a lot of programs for down the line. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens with like Okada and Empire and Tanahashi and Kenta, uh, Mega Coaches and um, Bullet Club. Um, they're, just, they're just planting seeds for a lot of big stuff coming up and. I'm curious to see how you know the dome card is going to uh, come together 
with all the stuff they're doing. So let's move on to New Japan Strong. So this past Friday, we had the Fireworks Frenzy, which was uh, Friday, July 2nd. And uh, kind of like we mentioned last week, kind of a, I feel like kind of a filler show as they get ready for the Tag Team Turbulence Tour that will be starting up uh, pretty soon here. So show opened up, we had Leo Rush defeating Adrian Quest, 8 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, this was a fine opener here. Um, the problem with this matchup for me was we, we know that Leo Rush is uh, retiring uh, as soon as he finishes up his New Japan contract. So it's kind of hard to get excited and invest in Leo Rush matches when uh, we know that there's not going to be, there's not you can't really do anything with him because he's, he's leaving the territory. Um, I'll say, I know the, this match was probably taped way before he was hurt, but it seems like the game plan is for him to finish up the contract. Like, like he said, he's announced for um, resurgence. He's announced for the fighting spirit unleashed taping. So I believe we'll be continue to see Leo rush, but like I said, it's hard to get excited anymore because we know eventually he's leaving. So it's hard to invest in him and get excited about his matches. And then with uh, Adrian Quest, Adrian Quest, um, great talent. This man's raw. He does a lot of really cool moves in the ring. Um, but the, the issue here for me in this matchup was, you know, they've been building up this Adrian Quest and um, Barrett Brown rivalry. And this match really didn't do anything to advance that. Oh, with Adrian being the one that's in a program, I feel like Adrian Quest should have won the match here, you know, pull the upset over Leo Rush and, you know, kind of help him build some momentum into an eventual match with Barrett Brown. But Leo got the win here, which if Leo wasn't retiring, that's probably the right call. But again, he's retiring. Adrian's in a program and he loses here. So um, good opener, but it was just kind of hard to get into with those factors. Then the second matchup, we had Hikaleo defeating Jordan Clearwater. Um, again, a fine match up here, um, but also kind of weird with um, with Jordan Clearwater because like Adrian Quest, Jordan Clearwater, they've been doing a, a program with him and Mysterioso where they keep losing tag matches and um, seem to be having some miscommunication. So this really didn't, again, really advance the Jordan Clearwater Mysterioso storyline. I guess maybe... Mysterioso can be kind of like, look, man, you, you're the weaker link because you, you're losing in singles matches. Maybe the, the, he can kind of do that. But there wasn't really any mention of that, and that was, this wasn't really building to that. It seems like this match was more about Hikaleo kind of rebounding from the Fred Rosser loss a couple weeks ago. Uh, he gets the win with Samoan Driver, and so they're picking him back up some steam for Hikaleo. Then the main event we had... Fred Rosser defeating Bateman, 15 minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, once again, um, fine matchup here between Rosser and Bateman. Um, they're clearly pushing Rosser as one of the top guys of the strong brand, especially now that he's signed a contract and he's mentioned warning a tile shot. I could see... Fred Rosser getting a title match, a strong openweight title match against Filthy Tom at Resurgence. I, I think that could happen. Um, but good match here. Um, Fred Rosser, uh, 
ends up getting the win when he hits the uh, Emerald Flosion. Again, well, this was actually the, the only match on the show that really kind of advanced storyline. So we did see, um, you know, Rosser teamed up with Quest against Bateman and Barrett Brown a couple weeks ago, uh, which kind of set this match up and led to Rosser facing off against Bateman. So that kind of played off of that matchup, and that was kind of built up. So the only match that really kind of advanced anything here um, came off that tag match. Rosser looked strong. I think we're going to see... Like I mentioned, Rosser's kind of climb to facing off against Filthy Tom for the strong open weight championship. And so next week, or excuse me, I should say this week on Strong, this coming up Friday, we're going to have the road to tag team turbulence. So this will be the last show before the tag team turbulence uh, tournament starts. So this row two show is going to open up with Barrett Brown versus the DKC. And we have a question here from Reddit user MitchMM22. What are your guys' thoughts on the DKC? I've been impressed with him in his last few outings on Strong. But man, do I hate that he gets to be a young lion with a gimmick name. How do you guys feel about the DKC and his gimmick name? So, uh, overall, I, I like the DKC. I like, like you, Mitch, I've been impressed with DKC. Um, you know, he brings kind of a different style of kind of that karate uh, and martial arts background that he has. And um, he has a lot of fire, uh, charismatic guy. Um, like you, I do think it's kind of weird that they allowed him to keep the gimmick name. Uh, I mean, it, they, are, they are his initials, so it's not like he's, like, the boulder or something. Um, DKC is his initials. Um but yeah, I'll see. Uh, Shibata has been doing some some different stuff with the LA Dojo versus the Nogue Dojo. You know, normally the Nogue Dojo young lions have to get their hairs a uh, haircut. Um, they they use their real names. There's not really any you know not any kind of gimmicks with them. And so we've seen here with the LA Dojo, none of these guys have had to cut their hair. Um, they're they've been allowed to use some moves that they've used in their indie or previous you know wrestling career move sets and so dkc still been able to do his you know dkc chops and a lot of his kind of karate stuff uh but he has been doing a lot more grappling and a lot more like um you know technical wrestling if you want to call it that um he has improved in that area and so it is kind of weird i I wish they would have just given him a you know just made him use his regular name spelled out and Maybe cut the hair and it's gonna maybe kind of get him more as like a, a young lion role, but at the end of the day, it's fine. He's um, training in the dojo. He's getting better, improving, improving in his wrestling, and so it's just a a benefit of being a part of the LA dojo versus the Nogue dojo. So also coming up this week on the road to tag team turbulence, our good friend Rocky Romero will be taking on Josh Alexander. So this should be a really good matchup here. Alexander last saw him against Alex Coughlin um, in, in a great matchup. And then um, Rocky Romero, we recently seen him in some singles actions as well against the AJZ. And I think he had another singles match recently. Oh, yeah, he lost to uh, Clark Connors. Uh, I think that was last week. So Rocky looking to rebound off of that loss. And so this should be a very good matchup here. And that's actually the, the main event for that show. The second match is going to be 
Alex Coughlin versus PJ Black. So this is going to be the second match in Alex uh, Coughlin's open match series that he's been doing. Like I mentioned earlier, um, Alexander was the first uh, challenger for Coughlin in this um, challenge series, uh, trial series, or whatever you want to call it. So now uh, Ring of Honors, Darewolf, PJ Black returns to Strong. It's been seven months uh, since... PJ Black's been on strong and he's coming back here to face off against Coughlin in the challenge series should be um, a good matchup, an interesting challenge for um, Coughlin here. And, but yeah, so the, the Rocky Alexander match is a main event and that should be interesting. Cause you know, there's been a lot of focus on Rocky wanting to get an IWGP junior title match. He wants to win it under his name. He's the one only under the black Tiger name and also Alexander is the X division champion, which is not really a junior championship. It's it's about uh it's not about weight limits, it's about no limits. Uh but still, you know, if you, you beat the X division champion, that could put you in line. Um, you know, that could catch the eye of the IWGP matchmakers and maybe they they will give Rocky a junior title match. So it'll be interesting to see who wins this matchup here, and it looks like we're, we're going to get more Josh Alexander on strong. So I'm down for that. Let's uh, transition over into the news now. So it's a few news items here. We'll run through that, and then there's some questions, and then we'll do recommended match of the week and we'll get you guys out of here. So uh, first news item I have here, the KOPW 2021 is going to be on the line in a pre-show Rambo set for Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome. So it seems like they're really trying to make this July 25th Wrestle Grand Slam the same level, same caliber of show as a Wrestle Kingdom. So we we have the pre-show rumble here. It's going to be for the KOPW trophy. Um, we don't know who else is going to be in it right now besides Yano, but um, super early prediction. I think I think Yano is going to keep it here. Um, and this is the pre-show, so it'll, it'll be fun, lighthearted, and we won't have to worry about KOPW rearing its ugly head on the main card of a Tokyo Dome show again. Um, also, we had a video interview from the Good Brothers, uh, part one of two. That's up on NJPW1972.com. The free match of the week is the IWGP IC title match from New Beginning in Sapporo 2019-92 featuring Taichi versus Tetsuya Naito. So, good little match to watch as we get ready for the tag team title match coming up this weekend. Also, this week, past week, we had Sho, who was in action on Gleet. He, or Glate, I should say. He won his first Glate match via ref stoppage. Uh, so, I had a question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. He says, did you check out Gleet? or Glate and Show's match, would you say it was the Glatest Show? Let's <laughs> see what you did there, Hawaiian Punch BB. Um, I did check out a little bit of Glate, so I watched the opener, and I did watch Show's match um, against Ito. Um, it was an interesting match. It was a good match. I mean, it was, it was very hard-hitting, 
slapped each other a lot. Uh, this match was under UWF rules, so it was more of a shoot-style matchup. Um, I'm not always the biggest fan of shoot-style matches, um, but I thought they, they did it well. Um, I wouldn't. It's not something I, I would say go out of your way to watch, but uh, it was interesting kind of seeing show in that environment. Um, but overall, I, I, I like the look of the Glade show. They, they were in Tokyo Dome City Hall. Uh, they had a thousand fans, which I mean, obviously it's, it's kind of hard to gauge what's a good audience uh, right now in the, with the pandemic in Japan. But I think a thousand for a new promotion, uh, pretty good in that arena. They had uh, really like the production and setup that they had the staging and the camera works. And um, I like the, some of the production stuff they did with like the name plates. They had, the guy's picture, their their name, their height, their weight, and some kind of accolades about the guy. So, um, obviously, this was the, the version one late show, and so a lot of new fans, fans are tuning in. And so, I thought that was a great way to be able to get to know who the wrestlers were with the nameplates. And they did the, the big kind of like the blood sport intro where they showed all the wrestlers who would be wrestling that night uh, at the beginning of the show. Um and so that was another, another way to get you to help to know the wrestlers. And so, like the, the production of Glate, we'll see if there'll be more shows to come. And we'll see if there'll be more of show to come on these shows. Um, second part of Hawaiian Punch BB's question says, Was there anyone from the show that you would like to see compete in New Japan? What was your impression of Takori, Takanori Ito? He's someone that I would like to see for a tour, maybe replace Goto in the G1 after Goto's 2021. It was my first time seeing him under shoot style rules, and he impressed me. I will always remember him as a prospect in Russell One and dressing like Kevin Owens while kicking like Kenta. Yeah, I, I thought uh, Ito looked good in this match up here. I'd be interested to see him in a more of a traditional pro wrestling setting. I've never seen him wrestle before. This is my first time seeing him wrestle, and it was under UWF rules. Um, but very uh, good striker and a good grappler, and so I, I'd be interested to see him in um, for a tour. I don't know if I would replace Goto in the G1, but I think you could bring him in uh, for a tour and, and give him a tryout. Um, for me, the names that kind of pop off um, from this card are the Stronghearts. Um, the Stronghearts have been the highlight of any show they're on, and they're just super talented. Uh, that opening match of El Lindemann was really good. El, El Lindemann's like the best wrestler that nobody knows about. Um, this guy is so good, um, so fast, freaky strong, great high flyer. Um, he's a guy that should be seen by more people. And then obviously you you have T Hawk, you have Shima, that that whole um, Strong Hearts crew. Those are guys that should be featured more. Obviously, I knew they they were supposed to be featured on um, AEW, but the pandemic changed that. But uh, these are guys that you know we we talked about the junior division um, needing new guys, needing the fresh blood, and the potential rumors of. You know, guys in New Japan in the office being interested in bringing in these, uh, bringing in the Strong Hearts for uh, the junior division and wrestle in New Japan. 
I think that would be an excellent addition. I would love to see Shima and Lindemann and T-Hawk and some of these guys uh, mix it up. Uh, and the guy that uh, L. Lindemann wrestled, uh, Hayato Tamora, uh, he impressed me too. I thought he was really good as well. I would like to see him um, come over for for the junior tour. So I think there's a lot of interesting names. One thing I did notice from the kind of opening match ceremony was there's a lot of guys on this late card who are uh, in, in their like mid to early 20s. A lot of young talent that are very good that I think New Japan should really capitalize on. Um, you know, and I know it, uh, it might be kind of, you know, shade to say, but I, I hope they kind of pull, you know, what they did in the past with some of the juniors. We saw, you know, with guys like Ricochet and Kota Bushi and Kenny Omega, guys that were stars in other promotions. New Japan would kind of, you know, quote unquote, borrow them for a best of super juniors, but then eventually kind of poaching them and, and, and signing them and using them as top stars. And also, I'm not saying I want Glate to go out of business, but. I would love to see New Japan take an, an L. Lindemann, Hayato Tamora, uh, Shima, T-Hawk, um, some of these other young guys that were on this card um, and put them in New Japan, get them in that junior division, and give them that big spotlight. Next question from the Peaky Blinder. Thoughts on Shale's performance on the work shoot UWFI style Glate show? Uh, like I said, I uh, thought it was good matchup. It really didn't like knock my socks off. I, I've seen better shoot style matches on Bloodsport and, and other places in recent years. Um, like I said, it, it was very hard hitting. They were slapping the crap out of each other. Um, great submissions. To me, the finish just kind of came out of nowhere with, with Show getting that triangle. And obviously, that's kind of like an MMA style match. You can get a submission kind of out of nowhere, and the, the fight ends quickly. So. Um, wasn't really paced like a pro wrestling match, and I don't know. I just wasn't. I mean, it was a good match. I just didn't. I wouldn't put it in the notebook. I wouldn't say you need to go out of your way to watch it. But it was interesting to watch. So if you have time, I mean, it's on YouTube. Um, you can find. Um, well, the whole show. The whole show was on YouTube, but then they took it down because it's going to be aired somewhere on TV. But the show and Ito match you can find on YouTube. YouTube right now. Eventually, I think the full show will be back on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I mean, check it out if you have the time, but I wouldn't say you, you got to go out of your way to watch it. So moving on in the news, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Kojima also winning a second match on, um, Thursday, he was on impact. He was supposed to face off against, uh, his partner, Eddie Edwards, but Eddie Edwards was laid out by W Morrissey, the former big cast, which then, um, made Sam Beal and Brian Myers, a former Kurt Hawkins, come down to the ring while Kojima was in the ring and got into a two-on-one situation. But then Jake Something came out to make the save, and we had a big tag match with Kojima and Jake Something defeating Sam Beal and Brian Myers. So it looks like with that setup at the opener, they're probably going to do a Kojima versus W. Morrissey match on probably the next Impact Plus special. Um, so next thing here, Sunday, July 18th, live in Bristol, Shota Umino makes his Rev Pro in-ring return. So this past weekend, Umino uh, had an appearance at the Rev Pro show, and then we have two big matches lined up for here, 
lineup for him here. So on July 18th, he's facing off against Dan Maloney in his first uh, match back in Rev Pro. Dan Maloney, some of you guys might know him from NXT UK, but he's been in Rev Pro recently and has been uh, doing pretty good for Rev Pro. It's amazing what happens when you, you leave the WWE system and how much you can flourish. Uh, so he's been doing good in Rev Pro. So. A uh, big uh, challenge here for Umino. And speaking of big challenges, Saturday, August 21st, the Southside Heavyweight Championship will be on the line. The new Southside Heavyweight Champion, Ricky Knight Jr., is going to put his goal on the line against Shota Umino. So big match here for Shooter. A shot at getting um, his first title in Excursion and winning the, the Southside Heavyweight Championship, um, which is currently the, the top belt in Rev Pro right now, top active belt. Obviously, uh, Will Ospreay is still the Rev Pro champion. That's still the, the top belt. But eventually, the plan is for the Rev Pro title and the Southside Heavyweight title to be unified as one to be the, the top. And that made that the undisputed top belt. But for right now, the Southside uh, Heavyweight Championship. Um, they just had that tournament for it. Ricky Knight Jr. won it. And now his first defense is going to be against Shota Umino. So a couple questions here. First from Dom Homie 101 He says, with Shota Umino making his return to RevPro, who would an ideal first opponent for Umino be when he eventually returns to Japan? Um, well, to me, um, I, I think that Umino, he, this guy, he looks like an ace right now um, with with the hair, with the gear. Um, I think he has the charisma. He has the fire. Uh, I think, you know, he's a good wrestler. I, ha- I have not seen any of his Red Pro stuff, uh, but I've heard good reports. I mean, he was very good as a young lion. Um, and it seems like he just gives off ace energy. Um, so if it was me, I'm bringing him back to Japan to be the next ace, to be the guy that's going to uh, replace Okada. And I would probably do something similar like they did with Okada and Tanahashi. I'd, I'd have Umino probably come in there. You give him a, you know, a low card to mid card guy. You know, Okada, his first match back was against Yoshihashi. So maybe you find like a low card, mid card guy um, that, you, that you have Umino beat. And then you set him up for a IWGP title match. Or you set him up for a match of Okada. You have him beat Okada. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, but I feel like Umino is the future uh, with the look, with the charisma. Uh, he's, a, he's a very good wrestler. It seems like he's learning to wrestle uh, the main event style based off reports of what, I, what I've been hearing. Um, you know, he's, he's already getting put in this heavyweight title match here. I think he's being groomed to be the next ace. Um, so yeah, I would put him in maybe, I don't know, put him in there first. Maybe you put him in there with a guy like Goto, um, kind of that gatekeeper guy that he could beat and then set him up to go up against whoever the current champ may be or a match with Okada. Next question comes from Viking Pain. Cause I see a lot of hype for Shota Umino and I get it, but I wonder what you guys think of him. I see the potential in him like a lot of people do, but I always felt that Ren Narita was a better wrestler between the two. If you can, rate him on the Bret Hart scale. 
So for those of you who don't know the Bret Hart scale, you base them off look, mic, work. You can also add in it factor in the fourth category. We actually did an episode uh, at the beginning of the pandemic last year where we ranked all of the current New Japan roster under the Bret Hart wrestler scale. So go out and check that episode in the archive. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun and just kind of going through the roster, ranking those guys. Um, so Viking uh, Payne wants me to do the, the Bret Hart wrestler scale on uh, Umino. Well, first, let me answer his first question. What do I think about Umino? Like I said in Dom Homie's question, I, I think Umino is, he has the potential to be the next ace. He has the look. Um, he has the work. Like I really haven't heard him talk, so I don't know what his mic skills are like. And so well, let's, let's break down the rating. So look, mic, work, it factor. So let's see here. So let's so we'll start with the look. So look, like I said, I, I think he looks like an ace right now. He's not the most jacked guy right now. I think there he can probably put on some muscle, but I feel like he's his belt is similar to um, a a young Tanahashi when uh, he was in that you know that U thirty division it was slowly becoming in that ace role. Um, so I'm I'm gonna give him an eight for the look for right now. So that's the look, Mike. Um, again, uh, we've only seen very little of his Mike work in New Japan, and that was as a young lion. But he was one of the more coherent <laughs> young lions. Um, I haven't. I don't know if he's cut any promos in Rev Pro, but I, I just don't have a lot to really judge off the mic. So um, for now, on the mic, I'm I'm gonna give him a six and a half on the mic work, giving him the benefit of the doubt. It could be better, it could be worse, uh, but we'll go six and a half. So that's so that's look mic work. Um, or look mic. So work is the next category. So work. Um, again, I haven't seen any of his Rev Pro stuff, but I've been hearing great reviews. Um, I thought he was a very good young line in the ring. Like, but I do agree with you that uh, as far as bell to bell in ring, I do think Ren Narita is the better wrestler. However, I do think Umino has more charisma than Narita. I think Umino has that more that ace feel than Narita. Narita feels like a Shibata. A guy that's going to be a great in-ring wrestler, great striker, great brawler. Um, a guy that's going to have big matches, hold titles, but he's never going to be the ace. I think Umino has the potential to be the ace um, for his work. Uh, right now, I'm going to give him a 7.5 on the work. Um, and then the last category would be the it factor. And I, I think he has the it factor. And we saw the way that he instantly clicked with John Moxley and how he was able to kind of get over in that situation and how that really propelled him. You know, that, that, uh, that Royal Quest show and the, the UK crowd was chanting, let's go, Shooter. And, uh, you know, people are so hyped to see him. And like you mentioned, there's been a lot of hype on his return. Um, this this match with Dan Maloney, the match for Key Knight Jr. There's a lot of hype. So I think he has a, that it factor when you look at him. Uh, and, and that gear and the, the, the kind of the, the aura he puts off, I'm like, man, this guy looks like an ace. So I'm going to give him an eight on the it factor for right now. So that puts him at a score of 30 out of 40, uh, which I think is pretty good for a guy that's on excursion. Now, again, like I said, 
really don't have a fair scale on the mic and not the fair scale on the work because I haven't seen any of the Red Pro stuff. I'm basing it off of his Young Lion work that I've seen. So I do want to catch these upcoming matches with Dan Maloney and Ricky Knight Jr. so I can get a better gauge and maybe we can give you a, a better answer. I'll be curious to hear what Young Boy's uh, take is on uh, Umino and what, how he would rate him out on the Bret Hart wrestler scale. But 30 out of 40, like I said, I think it's pretty good for a guy that's just on excursion and definitely room to improve and to get better in all four of those categories. So speaking of aces, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, he's going to be appearing as himself in the Vanguard Overdress anime. Um, I have not watched this anime. I'm not sure what it's about, uh, but Tanahashi is going to be in it. Uh, this is all part of like this, um, you know, Bushi Road announce product announcement anime convention thing. Not quite sure what that was, but they did announce Tanahashi being this uh, Vanguard Overdress anime, and they did have gameplay footage for the uh, New Japan Strong Spirits mobile game that's been teased. Uh, seems like forever now. I think Wrestle around Wrestle Kingdom time was when they first announced that the game was coming. And it's been in development this whole time. And they showed clips from it. And uh, in the game, they, they're they using the gameplay, as far as the graphic, is actually footage from real matches. So the entrances are, they use real entrances. And then when you do a move, they show a, a, a clip of, you know, if you're Tanahashi, they show a clip of Tanahashi doing a sling blade, which is kind of an interesting take to do for a game. Um, so I'm not quite sure how that, I mean, I saw, I saw the gameplay footage, but I'm still like, as far as playing that, I'm not sure really how the mechanics is going to work out, but it's an interesting take uh, on the game. So, you know, when it comes out, I'll, I'll download it. I'll check it out and see how it is. Um, then also along with this, uh, the strong spirit footage, there was um, this new character, this mass strong spirit character that I, I was a little confused. I'm not sure if this is like a story mode in the game where you're going to be playing as Mass Strong Spirit, or if it's just a way to promote the game, uh, I wasn't quite sure. But they, they had this whole thing with uh, Mass Strong Spirit need to be trained by the Mass Sensei um, in the way of the app, and um, so he had a match. It was all clearly in the Strong Studios. It was the Mass Strong Spirit against uh, Sin Bodhi, the former uh, Kizarni from WWE. Um, and he lost the match there to Sinbodi, and he had to continue to train under Mass Sensei. And so apparently, there's going to be more episodes, and they we're going to follow this journey of the the Mass Strong Spirit. So, but again, I'm not sure if it's like actually a part of the game or just some kind of extra thing they're doing to help promote the game. So, as we figure it out, we'll let you guys know, or maybe you guys can clue me in on, on what it was supposed to be. So now let's move into some listener questions here. Um, and I know some of these questions are, are really uh, pointed to the young boy, and we could definitely use the the expertise of his uh, knowledge and history on some of the stuff here. So I will answer what I can at, with the best of my ability, and anything I can't answer, we will punt to next week when the young boy returns. So first, let's look at the question from Grunty Dodds. He says, another podcast mentioned Sabu winning the junior heavyweight title in 1995 and then cutting a promo, rejecting the title because he doesn't consider himself a junior. 
This was apparently a shoot, but it didn't elaborate. Have you heard of this? What's the real story? So I have not heard of this Sabu story. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know the real story, uh, if, it, if it is a real story and what happened behind it. Um, but, I mean, it sounds like something Sabu <laughs> would do. Um, so uh, hopefully next week um, we'll come back with some more info and maybe young boy will have some more um, info on what happened there with that Sabu situation. Next question from Hawaiian Punch BV. He says, what is your thoughts on the rubber match between Poirier and McGregor? Do you think it was too soon for McGregor to jump in there again after Poirier finished him so emphatically? Um, you know, I'm excited for the Poirier-McGregor uh, rubber match. Um, I think it should be uh, another good fight. It's, I think it's going to really tell us, you know, where McGregor is at. Obviously, McGregor, you know, a lot of people are saying he's washed, but uh, I still think he's a great fighter. I don't think he's washed, but I do think, um, you know, Poirier just has his number. We saw in, the, in that last fight, and, yeah, we're going to see what kind of McGregor we get here in this fight. Um, and I, I saw... He tweeted something with like Poirier's wife was like messaging him on Instagram. So clearly he's, you know, Sam Connor in that respect of kind of doing the mind games and, you know, trying to make this kind of like a, a pro wrestling angle. Um, and I'll see, you know, UFC, you know, they don't really have a ton of big marquee stars right now. I mean, they, but they are doing well um, tickets wise and pay-per-view wise with that, that ESPN plus deal. But as far as like super huge, like household name draws, they don't, you know, they're, they've kind of lost a lot of people over the last couple of years, and um, McGregor is one of their, their biggest draws, and so they, they probably wanted to get him back there quickly to, um, you know, sell shows, get some more ESPN Plus uh, subscriptions on pay-per-view. Um, so maybe it was too quick, but we're going to see what happens here. Like you mentioned, like that was a pretty, you know, definitive loss to Poirier. And I think what we're going to see here is, you know, is is Khan going to be able to you know, step his game up and take out Poirier? Or is it going to be uh, Poirier, you know, beating him quickly again um, and, and winning the rubber match? It'll be interesting to see what happens. So Hawaiian Punch VV also asks, have you seen the Diamond Mine in NXT yet? A team of Roderick Strong, Hideki Suzuki, Kiss's favorite son, Russ Taylor, Managed by Malcolm Bivens sound interesting. Even more interesting, Roderick Strong has stolen the greatest submission finisher in wrestling today, Yoshihashi's Butterfly Lock. Hopefully you guys are safe from Elsa. Thank you, Hawaiian Punch Baby. We are, as of right now, as of this recording, we are safe from Elsa. Um, we haven't, um, it's now uh, 9.54 as I record this uh, p.m. Eastern time. I still have not. Uh, experienced any uh, weather yet. Uh, like I said, kind of that calm before the storm. I know we're probably going to experience some weather um, probably the next couple hours here. Uh, but back to Diamond Mind. Yes, I have seen Diamond Mind. I watched NXT last week, so I'm a huge fan. I don't know if I've really said it much on the air here. I'm a huge fan of Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, big fan of him. Um, I really haven't seen much of Hideki Suzuki, and like you mentioned, we we were big fans of Russ Taylor when he was on strong and a part of Team Filthy. So I'm very interested to see how they use this unit of Diamond Mine. Um, not the again, we've had our complaints on the Butterfly Lock. Um, to me, if I remember correctly, it looked like Roddy kind of did the same thing 
that Yoshiashi's doing now, where he kind of turned it into a Kimura at the very end. So if he does that on Final Fit, I'm, you know, more of a fan of Roddy doing um, a sick kick or one of his backbreakers as a finish. But, but I guess, you know, Diamond Mine, they're supposed to be in on an MMA kind of, you know, shoot style group here. And so obviously winning with a submission makes sense. But I like the group. I like Bivens being the manager. It kind of reminds me of uh, when Bivens, when he was managing Catchpoint. Uh, and so I think it's a good stale here. I, I just hope they do something with them. Um, you know, they made their, their debut. They um, they attacked uh, Kushida, and so I, I guess it's going to be Roddy and Kushida probably for the cruiserweight title. Not really a big fan of Roddy being a cruiserweight. I know technically he is under two hundred five, and guys kind of float in and out of the cruiserweight division in NXT. Uh, but to me, Roddy has always been like a world champion guy. I know he's not the best promo, but hey, you have Bivens with him now. Have Bivens cut the promos, have Roddy wrestle. That's a great combo to me. I think Roddy should be eventually be the NXT champion. Um, but we'll see what happens. But I guess he'll start here probably with Kushida. And then I'm guessing maybe you have uh, Russ Taylor and Hideki Suzuki. Maybe you have those guys team up and um, eventually go after the tag team titles. But um, I'm down with Diamond. I think it's cool. I like, I like all the guys in the group. Um, and so, yeah, I think going forward, there was rumors that um, I believe that um, Adrian Huhas um, was supposed to be in the group, but he would have been a great addition, but obviously he was released. So, yeah, hopefully Diamine um, gets over and they, you know, don't kill the push. Big fan of Roddy. I would love to see. I love that Roddy's out of Undisputed and he's the leader of his own faction. Give him some time to shine. And so, yeah, hopefully this leads to bigger and bright things for Roddy and for Bibbins because they have really – Kind of start and stopped Bibbins. They they did the whole thing um, with the the uh, forgetting their names. Uh, Hindu Sheer. Uh, they did that thing, and then that was dropped pretty quickly. And then they started doing the Russ Taylor thing that got kind of dropped, and they were off TV, and now they're back with Diamond Mine. So hopefully that this lasts more than one or two weeks, and we see more Bibbins, more promos from Bibbins, and like I said, this leads to something big for Roddy. Next set of questions here comes from Dom Homie 101. First, he asks, any thoughts on the big announcement that will be announced at the July 25th Tokyo Dome show? So, Dom Homie, I saw this question when you sent it in, and I was scouring the internet trying to figure out what you were talking about because I have not seen anything about a big announcement that's supposed to be coming at the Tokyo Dome. I know they recently announced the Rambo, so I'm not sure if that's what you were talking about, or I'm just completely missing something about an announcement that's supposed to be happening at the Dome. Um, but I, I would guess if they are making a big announcement at the Dome, I would, I would guess they would probably be announcing G1 dates. That probably makes a ton of sense, because um, G1's supposed to be in the fall. So getting those dates out there, the venues out there, could be what the big announcement is. His next question is, can the young boy explain why Rey Mysterio and Psychosis weren't a part of the 1995 Super J Cup? So I will punt that question for next week when the young boy comes back. Uh, next question, how would this year's G1 Climax look if there's no foreign talent? Who would be their participants? Let's take a look at last year's block. Because honestly, I don't think there's going to be a huge difference between last year's block and this year's block. 
So last year in the A block, we had Kota Ibushi, Will Ospreay, Jay White, Kazuchika Okada, Taichi, Jeff Cobb, Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki, Yujiro Takahashi. In the B block, we had Tanada, Evil, Naito, Kenta, Saber, Goto, Tanahashi, Juice, Toriano, and Yoshihashi. So again, you know, both blocks mainly consisting of domestic talent. Um, I think there are a few names that we could potentially not be seeing. Obviously, Will Ospreay, we have not seen him since he left the territory, lost his smile, uh, you know, took his ball and went home. Uh, we haven't seen him since then. So Osprey, if he's not healthy in time, that's an open slot there. Uh, looking at the A block, the only other name in the A block that I would say that wouldn't be or shouldn't be in the G1 is Yujiro Takahashi. So that that's two spots. Let's just say, let's just work with no Osprey and no Takahashi. I would think, you know, we're seeing foreigners being able to come back and forth pretty easily if they have visas. So Jay White and Jeff Cobb coming in should happen. So I'm, I'm counting on Jay and Jeff Cobb still coming in. Then we look at the B block. Uh, there's Saber, but Saber lives in Japan. Hasn't missed a date yet, so I would think Saber would be in it. Uh, Juice has, uh, we haven't seen him in a little bit, but I would guess that he can make it back over, so I'm, I'm going to count on Juice. And then we, we got Yano and Yoshihashi. Um, you know, personally, I know I know people love Yano and the G1, and they have their excuse, it's a night off, blah, 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 blah. Um, but Yano's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing being removed in order to give somebody else a shot. But let's just work with Yano being there. So that's we're working with two two empty spots here. So no Osprey, no Yujiro. So with two spots, uh, the first two names that I think about are the great Okan and Aaron Hanare. Um, Hanare might be kind of a stretch um, especially since he lost his singles match to Sonata. Uh, great Okan, we've seen him in big spots. They, they, he's wrestled Okada, he's wrestled Tanahashi a couple times. Um, he had the big win against Naito in the first round of the New Japan Cup. So I think Great Okan's a guy that should be in the G1. So that takes a spot right there. Um, and then, like I mentioned, uh, Aaron Hanare, I think, should be a guy that could get in if you have uh, another spot open. Now, let's say we had, you know, Aaron Hanare, he, let's say he has travel issues. Who else would we would put in? Well, let's take a look here. Oh, um, I, I think uh, Kojima would be a great guy. You know, Kojima technically has not had his, you know, last farewell G1. And the, the year that Kojima is having, um, he's easily somebody that you can put in there to, to fill a spot in the G1 um, and have some great matches um, in that in that tournament, no matter what block you put him in. Um, obviously, Bad Luck Fale is a guy. We He's been back in Japan this year. We haven't seen him recently. But, I mean, he's a guy that you can bring in to fill a spot. Uh, let's see here. I'm scrolling through the roster page here to see anyone else that I'm missing that could potentially be in uh, let's see here 
Yeah, as I scroll, yeah, I think pretty much all the guys that are going to be in it are there. Um, you know, if they if something happened where completely every single, like if Jay White couldn't make it in, if um, Juice couldn't make it in, uh, for some reason Sabre had to leave, there are a few domestic guys that they can fill in. You can, you know, like I mentioned, you can do Kojima, you can pull tens on in, you can keep Udro in, you can... You know, have unfortunately have maybe have Nagata break his you know his thing about retiring from the G one and put Nagata back in. Um, there 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 are guys there. Uh, Makabe, you can put Makabe back in. Um, also, there these are not you know first options here, but the, these are guys that you can bring back in under uh, dire situations. But you, you have Great Okan, you have Aaron Hanare. You have you have some younger guys that you can put in there. Um, David Finley, um, after um, you know having that upset win over Jay White, he's getting the never title match. David Finley is a guy that if he gets back in the country, he's a guy that you got to consider um, as potentially a G one entrant. So once again, it, it's a tough field here. There's a lot of guys I, I have a hard time seeing not be in this tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see who does make the final cut, which foreigners they can get in, and if there would be any surprises. I'm not sure. I can't. I mean, I know there's been a ton of WWE releases, but I don't know if those 90 days will be up in time, and I just don't know if there's anybody that they're going to want to go out of their way to bring in for the G1. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, this next question, with the recent news about Terry Funk, what are your favorite matches of Terry Funk in Japan. So I know there's been some reports of Terry Funk uh, his not his health not doing great right now. I saw Tommy Dreamer tweet something saying that he spoke with Terry Funk and he said he's fine. So not sure what the full story there is. Um, personally, I can't say I, I have any favorite matches of Terry Funk in Japan. Uh, I'm sure uh, Young Boy has a ton. Um, you know, for me growing up, I I really didn't get peak Terry Funk um, when I was watching, when I was young. Um, the first time I saw Terry Funk was probably Chainsaw Charlie when he was teaming up with uh, Cactus Jack against the New Age Outlaws. My, probably my first memory of Terry Funk is him getting pushed off the uh, stage in a dumpster. Uh, but obviously, I've I've seen plenty of Terry Funk promos. I've seen. Uh, ECW matches, I've seen some MLW matches, I've seen you know, some of his earlier work but I I just have not seen any of his stuff in Japan, at least nothing that I can recall that I've seen um, so that, that'll be another good question to save for the young boy um, next question he says uh, well these are two fighting questions so um, and these are boxing questions, I'm, I'm not the, the huge boxing guy so these are again questions we gotta save for the young boy then we're going to move on to the last set of questions here from Reddit user Viking Pain. So first he asks, have you guys heard about Japan making moves to create a vaccine passport? This will give vaccinated people an exemption to the 14-day quarantine rule they currently have. If this passes, it could bring much-needed life to best of the Super Juniors and the Junior Division as well. So Viking Pain, no, I have not heard about this uh, vaccine passport until you sent the link along to what they're uh, trying to do. I, I think it'd be great if it passes and they, they end up doing it. And like you mentioned, 
Uh, this could this would bring life to the junior division. Um, we we could do a two block super juniors and get more juniors in. I, I think it also brings life to the heavyweight division because um, you can you can bring in guys that are on strong. You can bring in guys that have been recently released from WWE that you, you want to bring in or other independent guys. You can, you can bring in in the country. It helps the tag division also needs help. You you can bring in like Aussie Open. You can bring in. Some other teams that are out there. Um, I know FTR wants to work Japan. Japan. You can you can bring some teams in um, and say that division. So this, this would help the whole the company all around. It would help with uh, Western interest because as guys come over, uh, people would be interested. You, you you can get Moxley over there more. So hopefully this this thing passed because it would be a, a great help to the company in general. Um, then his last question here. How great of a wrestler do you guys think Bam Bam Bigelow was? I asked because recently Bam Bam Bigelow has been getting a lot of love on the Reddit Squared Circle, and there's been a lot of discussions on how talented of a big man he truly was. Also, I was wondering if you guys have any match recommendations of his time in Japan. Um, so Bam Bam Bigelow, he's one of these wrestlers that we we talked about. You know, when you're growing up. Somebody that's really good that you think they're not that great. And growing up, I I mean, I didn't think he sucked, but I just was I was not really a huge Bam Bam Bigelow guy. I mean, he looked cool, but I mean, I'll see my favorite wrestler growing up was Shawn Michaels. Um, I never really got you know I was never really drawn to Bam Bam like that, and um, I wasn't as a kid like a big guy like him doing a moonsault really didn't impress me, um, which is kind of surprising. Uh, but honestly, as you get older and then you look back and you watch the stuff, you're like, man, Bam Bam was so freaking talented. And I rewatched some of the ECW stuff with Taz and his run there. And you look back at some of the stuff he did in Japan. It's like, man, Bam Bam was incredible for a guy his size, cartwheeling, doing moonsaults, uh, going fast paced, um, the guy, yeah, the guy was incredible for his size, and I feel like he was not truly utilized to his potential in the states. And obviously, I think ECW was probably the place that got the best, but that wasn't the biggest platform. Um, and then I know there, there were probably other various reasons why he didn't get pushed that higher up the card. But um, also, you know, being in WWE and WCW, like he's, I just feel like he wasn't used to his potential. I feel like he could have been a way bigger star in both of those promotions. Um, but you asked for matches in Japan. Um, him and Bader were an awesome team in Japan. Um, they have two great matches um, against uh, Hiroshi Hase and Kijimuto from 92. Um, if you look on cage matches, they're both of the they're two of the top rated matches that Big Lolo had in Japan. Uh, I'm not sure if they're on New Japan World. I didn't check that, but those are two uh, matches to check out. Um, Vader and Bigelow versus the Steiner brothers. I believe we reviewed that match as one of the recommended matches of the week, and it was freaking incredible. Um, I mean, I think just just go in New Japan World and type in Bam Bam Bigelow and see what comes up and watch it, uh, and see what comes up and just watch because Bam Bam he was hard hitting, high paced high flying just an incredible athlete like you mentioned for his size and just really put out some good stuff there and so makes me want to watch some more bam bam maybe i will i'll do the same i'll take my own advice i'll put bam bam's name into new japan world 
and see what comes up and, and watch some of that stuff. Well, that wraps up the questions um, for this week. Thank you for everybody who submitted questions. Remember, uh, you can always submit questions to me. Uh, email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com or look out for the Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, Discord posts uh, that I put out every week calling for questions. So the last thing that we got to do here uh, before we close it out is the recommended match of the week. So last week, Josh recommended for us to watch uh, Luthez versus Anoki um, from the, the 1970s. Ah, boy. <laughs> Man, this match, um, I'm not going to lie, guys. I, I, I was not feeling this match. It opened up great. Um, Luthez hitting this, this big back suplex crowd pops. Um, and then it started going into a lot of grappling, a lot of holes, and I'm like, okay, are they gonna pick the pace up? Are they gonna do something else? So what's going on here? It's a lot of like Fez working a, a head scissors and Anoki working a hamlock. These guys just kind of getting each other in holes until you know it really didn't pick up till like the literally the very end where Fez hits another back drop, then Anoki hits a back drop, and then he hits a fallaway sweep and gets the win, and it just kind of ended. And I was like, what? Uh, so yeah, to me, uh, I know probably if you're an old school wrestling fan, maybe you love it. I know Young Boy probably loves this match, uh, but for me, I just I don't know. It just it, it needed a little bit more, um, and I, I get you know using holes and actually wrestling, but this needed a little bit more, a little bit more sauce for me here. What uh, wasn't you know wasn't getting me fired up here. Um, so sorry, Young Boy, I uh, failed you here, but. I don't know. I'll, it's I don't know. Again, it, again, it's the 1970s. Um, so I'll see a way different style then, and maybe in the in this time period, this was, was an awesome match. But you know, in, in 2021 eyes, uh, it was it was hard for me to get in this match. So my recommended match for this week for you guys is Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii. From the G1 special um, in the USA, this was the first uh, Long Beach shows they did where they crowned the U.S. champion. They had the tournament, and this was from day two, the finals, Kenny Omega versus Ishii. This was in 2017. This was before we started keeping it strong style, so we have not talked about this match on the air um, and this was before I was watching, I think I was just starting to watch New Japan full-time at, at this point. I was, like, transitioning from just watching big shows to watching everything um, before we started the podcast. So, uh, young boy and I, we haven't talked about this on the air before, so i uh, be curious to kind of get his thoughts and just kind of re-watching. I have, I have not watched this match since I watched it the first time it aired in 2017, and I figured it's something good to watch with this L.A. show resurgence coming up and looking back at the first L.A. show and um, the big U.S. title. Um, and, yeah, just an awesome, incredible matchup here. We watched this weekend and just, man, just how incredible Kenny and Ishii are. Man, th- those guys had great matches together. So that's the recommended match of the week. If you have not watched it in a while, I think it's a great rewatch to watch. And if it, you just... You're, you're new, you, you came to New Japan in the last couple of years, and you you missed that tournament, you missed that Ishii-Kenny match, well, here's your chance, go and watch it, it's on New Japan World, 
G1 special in the USA. It's night two, the finals for the first ever U.S. title. The cleaner, Kenny Omega versus the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii. Well, guys, I did it. Uh, I have come to the end here of my first solo show, and uh, I think I survived. Uh, definitely miss having the young boy or, or somebody else to kind of bounce off of. But like I said, I, I wanted to take the challenge, do the solo show, and, and see see how it is, see it, see how to do it, uh, get the, get that singles uh, run. Uh, but definitely, uh, I, I miss the young boy, and definitely couldn't probably not do this uh, solo every week. Uh, but I appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully, uh, it wasn't too bad. You got you guys stuck around. Um, but yeah, that's gonna wrap things up for this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the summer struggle in Sapporo. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media on Twitter. The show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, we are the Pro Black Guy, just keeping it strong style. You can also follow us on Instagram at Social Suplex. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have Funnation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. Grave Consequences has started back up, looking at Season 2 of Lucha Underground. We have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2. He just put out some uh, special episodes looking at the top uh, N64 games. You can check that out. On uh, Saturdays, of course, we have All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And then we have the Great Match Generator with Danny don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Bread Club Summer is running wild. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.